A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg is this Sunday, of course, race week. You'll hear the cars buzzing through St. Petersburg all week long. There's some big changes for any car involving the series owner and competitor, Roger Penske, and also some changes to the car themselves with a new aero screen. What is the Grand Prix of St. Pete doing for fans with respect to the coronavirus? And an interview with driver Graham Rahal by Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times, who will discuss all that and more with us on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, I realize we're, uh, by the way, just a little over 48 hours from the deadline for teams to designate franchise and transition players. Uh, also, there will be a vote at, I guess, the deadline is 11.59 on, uh, that would be Thursday, for players to vote on the CBA, which will also impact that. So we're monitoring that, and uh, if you wanted to uh, listen to sort of a breakdown of what the Bucks' decision is with respect to Jameis Winston and some of the other quarterbacks, the, the factors that will impact that, check out our podcast that we had on Monday, and we went over a lot of the scenarios um, that, the, that the Bucks are contemplating right now. I would say this. I mean, usually um, you know, these, these things start to leak out about uh, franchis, franch, franchise and transition player tags, Clearly, you know, on or before the day that it happens on Thursday, I still fully expect Shaq Barrett to be the guy that gets the franchise tag for the Bucks. Uh, had a com- had a uh, text exchange with uh, Drew Rosenhaus, who basically said, "Hey, look, I got nothing to report to you. Uh, this was on uh, Tuesday morning. Or, I'm sorry, Monday morning. Um, so things may have changed since then. Uh, but but I I don't you know when you're with the CBA still up in the air, with not knowing what the salary cap is going to be, um, you know." franchising check Barrett just you know prohibits him from testing free agency but still enables you to go ahead after all this other issues are done to try to negotiate a long-term deal with him and we know that Bruce Arians has said he ain't going anywhere which means they're going to have to tag him so that's what I expect which would mean um, the Bucks will have a decision with Jameis Winston whether whether to use a transition player tag on him and guarantee him the top average you know 10 salaries of the top uh, 10 quarterbacks or uh, they could um, allow him to go into free agency, which is really, frankly, what I expect at this point. I mean, we'll we'll find out if if maybe they can reach some accord on an agreement. I don't I don't know this close to free agency that's necessarily possible or even something they want to do because they have said pretty consistently they want to see what's behind door number two. We know, um, you know, that already there's going to be Philip Rivers and Teddy Bridgewater, and I listened to Peter King on. Um, on Monday morning, he was on uh, one of the NFL shows, maybe a couple of them actually, and I read his column uh, on NBC.com where he said in essence that he really believes at this point Tom Brady will be a free agent. And I think that's sort of where the smart money is leaning, that um, you know, we'll probably hear this week that, uh, you know, that Brady is going to test free agency. They can't franchise him. That was by agreement in his contract a year ago. Um, I think this is what he wanted, and he's going to have an opportunity to talk to a lot of teams, including the Bucks. The Bucks will be a team that absolutely will be interested in Tom Brady and will speak to him or his agent, Donald Yee. You can expect that to happen. And, you know, the timing of this is all very important because, again, 
uh, on the 16th through the 18th is that legal tampering period. And, you know, Jameis Winston will be a buck technically until 4 p.m. on the 18th of March. But, um, you know, anything can happen before that. It can happen after that. Uh, but if they all go into free agency together, I think the Bucks will be looking for a new quarterback and Jameis will probably be looking to find a new team. And if, you know, the two of them agree that they're best suited for each other still, then that will happen. But it's going to be a fascinating week and we'll keep you up to date. You can go to TampaBay.com. You can read uh, our stories in the Tampa Bay Times. A big week for Jameis Winston, a big week for the Buccaneers and Shaq Barrett. So follow all of that as well as we'll talk about it, of course, on the podcast on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Okay, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Of course, you've probably heard the uh, the cars will be buzzing all down through the uh, streets of St. Petersburg like a swarm of bees, it sounds like, down there. And uh, the race is on Sunday. Matt Baker joins us now. Matt, a lot has uh, sort of changed or has been modified a little bit about the IndyCar Series. Tell us sort of what fans will see, what's different about the IndyCar Series right now. Yeah, there, there's a couple, uh, a couple of kind of interesting changes, I think. Um, one, some of the drivers are different. Obviously, new guys coming in like Oliver Askew. And there's been some uh, kind of changeover with some of the older generation. You know, it took Sebastian Bourdais, St. Pete native or St. Pete resident who's won the Grand Prix a couple times. Took him a while to get a ride. And then, you know, another guy like James Hinchcliffe, one of the bigger names in the series, a very popular driver. He's not going to be racing in it just because of all the sponsor turmoil and uh, kind of the, the silly season uh, of IndyCar. You think you think NFL and what you're dealing with is, is kind of crazy. In some ways, it's crazier with auto racing, um, and that's something that fans are going to notice. Now, kind of the, the, the other two, I think maybe even more interesting changes. Um, one is with the cars themselves. They, they've added an aero screen to them. So basically, it's like a fancy windshield almost. It looks like if a fighter jet and an Indy car, race car, had a baby, that this is what the new machine looks like. Uh, it's, a, it's something they definitely needed. You know, a couple of years ago, um, one, one of the drivers, Justin Wilson, w- was tragically killed in a wreck at Pocono when a piece of debris uh, hit him in the head because there was no windshield there protecting him. So in some ways, it seems like they should have done this a long time ago. But to IndyCar's credit, they basically went from an idea to implementation in about a year and a half. So you're going to have these new things on the car. It's going to affect the speed. It's going to affect the tires. In a lot of ways, we don't necessarily know quite yet. Um, and then the third thing, and I think the most interesting of all with, with the changes to IndyCar this offseason, is they've got a new owner. Um, over the course of you know the last 20 years, one of the reasons I think IndyCar has kind of fallen the way it has, where the Indy 500 doesn't mean as much as it used to, is because there hasn't been a lot of stability with the series and with the sport in terms of who's been running it. There were warring factions with CART and IRL and all this stuff. But now there's a new guy in charge, and it's Roger Penske. Um, you know, he's an extremely, extremely professional, extremely well-respected guy who's been around uh, racing and motorsports and IndyCar for a long, long time. But there's also this really, really weird dynamic, Rick, where he, he happens to be, oh, by the way, the owner of Team Penske, which is the most successful team in the sport, won a zillion Indy 500s. Uh, you know, his guys are probably, spoiler alert, probably going to win uh, the Grand Prix on Sunday. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, reigning Grand Prix winner, reigning IndyCar Series champion. So that's his team that also he now owns the series. It's like Jerry Jones from the Cowboys buying the NFL or, or Jeff Vinnick buying the NHL or something like that. So it's a very bizarre concept to kind of wrap your head around. But uh, that new era kicks off with the Grand Prix. 
It's a great analogy, and I, I'm I'm trying to you know imagine uh, you know the commissioner of football or another sport also being a team owner, and so I, I mean, are there not bound to be conflicts? I'm, I would assume they've worked some of this out where there has to be rulings against drivers or teams, and and Penske may or may not benefit from what he decides. There are absolutely going to be things like that because there are things like that every year where mm-hmm. there's a questionable penalty. These two guys are, are racing; one of them touches the other. Was that avoidable contact, in which case it's a penalty, or is that just stuff that happens, in which case there's no penalty? Um, you know, one of the other things is kind of tech inspection, because obviously all these cars have to have, you know, have certain specifications. So it'd be really easy for somebody to kind of look the other way when a Pinsky car goes through. If they did that, it would be disastrous. So um, for, for competitive nature and that sort of thing, I mean, as a whole. So. There's a lot of weird things like that, and basically all of the drivers I've talked to on the other side who are not Penske drivers kind of understand this is a weird thing, and they're going in hoping for the best, but also kind of in the back of their head, I think there's a little bit of like, okay, these are the things we kind of need to be watching out for. These are the concerns that I have that hopefully they're they're resolved and it never happens, but... And there's also the possibility, too, Rick, where Penske and IndyCar go so far the other way where the Penske drivers are disadvantaged. If there's a kind of a bang-bang call equivalent, uh, like in baseball, it goes against the Penske guys because they're trying not to show favoritism. So that's a possibility, too, as well. Obviously well-respected for them to put him in this position, and, and uh, certainly he has tremendous financial backing as well. I wanted to get back to the changes uh, in the cars, um, you know, uh, with uh, what amounts to, uh, I guess, for better lack of a better term, a windshield now on these Indy cars, what's been the driver's reaction to this? This has to be a uh, not not a subtle change for them, I would imagine. Yeah. So first of all, the the, the thought process is this is great. We should have had this years ago um, mm-hmm. because it, it does add a great level of, of safety. We don't know sure. quite how what or to to what extent, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. possible if they had this a couple years ago. I don't think this is unfair speculation. Maybe Justin Wilson wouldn't have been killed at Pocono. Right, so that right. that's the type of thing where if it adds safety, they are all for it. And I've heard drivers be in favor of this for a while. But there are some, you know, aside from the safety, there's some racing components to this that they're mm-hmm. still figuring out. Um, for a while, uh, obviously, if you have something blocking the wind, it's not going to feel the same in the car. And a couple of the drivers kind of said, I didn't know how much I was relying on the wind and what my body was feeling there until it was taken away. So that's mm. something that they're having to adjust. Um, it was a, a lot hotter early on because there wasn't as much wind flow. And they're, they, you know, IndyCar has taken some steps with different kinds of cooling systems to try and help that. Um, in terms of tire wear, because you added, I think these things are about 60 pounds. So you add 60 pounds onto the cars that's going to make the tires wear faster. So I don't know they have a quite the right gauge yet in terms of how fast they're going to degrade over the course of a race and over the course of a, a, a pit stop run. So that's something that's still to be determined. And then the last thing, which is something I wouldn't have thought about, if you look at an Indy car in the pits getting ready to go out, into the grid getting ready to start the race, they're beautiful, you know, pristine machines. When you look at them at the end of a race, they are not that. Little bits of oil get on and little bits of gasoline or, or rubber or you know, parts from other cars, whatever it is, a paint, all that stuff happens over the course of a race. So the question is, what's that going to do to the windshield? How well are they going to be able to see when there's a little bit of oil on it? Is it mm. going to be a big problem or not a big problem? So that's, those are the types of things um, that they're going to be figuring out over the course of the weekend and then in Sunday's big race as well. 
Something else that's uh, obviously in the news, and if you're a race fan and, and you're going to go and there's a large crowd, um, you know, the coronavirus is on everybody's mind. What, what steps have they taken uh, to try to uh, help fans with uh, just that, ease their fears about that? Yeah, so uh, I've been in, in touch with the Grand Prix and their people about it for the last week or so. They've said a couple different times, we're working with the CDC, we're monitoring all that stuff. Um, in terms of practical things that they've done so far. No, they have not altered the schedule. No, they have not altered the access to the paddock area, um, mm. to the pits, that sort of thing. So as of as we record this, you will still be able to go talk to drivers, watch them work on cars, just as you've been able to for the last however many years. The, the other changes that they have made, though, uh, they're saying they're going to have more hand-washing stations, more hand-sanitizer stations throughout the kind of the, the, the um, 1.8-mile, 14-turn street circuit layout um they're going to do more disinfecting things like uh you know the, the handrails and other stuff that people are going to touch quite a bit they're going to do more of that type of cleaning during the event um, than they have in the past but other than that they're kind of monitoring the situation and seeing if they need to figure out anything else to do differently as well now you and know, i've talked about this i think it's fascinating um the paddock area i mean when we think about other major sports right how much access does anybody ever get um, in a major league clubhouse or an NFL locker room or places where where athletes uh, are you know preparing or at, you know at the Kentucky Derby? I mean, what you know for for IndyCar to allow people, you really do get a you know a firsthand view of just exactly what is what is transpiring behind the scenes. Yeah, it's crazy the amount of access that you have. I mean, you can walk right up. Not You can't touch the car or anything. There's a, there's a rope there. Sure. But you can walk pretty darn close and watch them working on a car. I mean, you think about the equivalent of that in, in, in football. I mean, you're watching them put the playbook together. So, yeah. again, you're probably not going to be see all of the details, but it's, it's still pretty stunning to see. And just uh, the amount of driver access where drivers coming out and talking to fans and um, there's been more than a couple times I've almost been hit by a driver going around on one of his scooters like, oh, I, I almost got hit by the reigning Indy 500 champion. Just like <laughs> stuff like that that you see there. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And to me, I think that's one of the cool things about an event like this is, is how much access is there. It's, you know, watching the race on Sunday is one thing. But to me, why the Grand Prix is so cool is everything else around it. All the undercard races and the paddock area and the food and that sort of thing um, make it kind of a, a very cool uh, event, unlike anything else we've got in the, the Tampa Bay area. You may see a celebrity or two walking by as well. Um, a lot of a lot of race fans uh, in Hollywood and other places in music industry and that. Um, I wanted to ask you about a story you wrote for the, the Tampa Bay Times. You can read it on TampaBay.com about Scott Dixon, who... Let's face it, I, I think he's won almost everything you can win as one of the most accomplished drivers in history. May not get enough credit for, for how he's dominated his sport, but he has not won the uh, St. Pete Grand Prix. So um, what, what does he and others have to say uh, about, uh, about the opportunity to do that? Yeah, I, I read a thing last year, Rick, about just how dominant he's been. I mean, I, I think I called him the most dominant athlete you don't know about. I mean, yeah. He's won five IndyCar championships, which is second most all time. I think it's got 46 wins now, which is uh, uh, only behind some guy named A.J. Foyt and Mario Andretti for the most in, in uh, kind of North American open wheel racing history. So dude is really, really good. He just hasn't been able to win it in, in St. Pete. And there, there's been a lot of factors. You know, Sometimes it's been uh, 
switching engine manufacturers kind of put them behind the eight ball early sometimes it's been uh just bad luck wrong place wrong time being unable to get around the guys you need to uh to make a charge at the lead um sometimes it's been a, a couple of wrecks and and last year he said he just wasn't aggressive enough early on when he had a chance to catch joseph newgarden who eventually won so it's just a, a weird thing and i kind of asked him if it bugs him that he hasn't won st pete because I, th- I think he's won, I mean, he's won like seven of the 15 circuits on this uh, series, and a lot of the ones he hasn't won are, are news races. He said, yeah, it kind of bugs me a little bit, because uh, you know, it's such an important race. It's our opener almost every year. You know, he spent a lot of time in the St. Pete area. He was friends with the late Dan Weldon, and, and their, you know, their families are friends and everything. So he spent so much time in the area at this event that he really, really likes. It does kind of bug him a little bit that he hasn't won, and I certainly think he would be among the guys who has a chance to win on Sunday. Yeah, favorite every time, every race he enters, actually. All right, let's get to this interview. Now, you had a chance to uh, to speak and, and sit down with Graham Rahal, of course, a driver in his own right, a great ambassador for the sport. Um, just tell us some of your insights to the interview and just what we're going to hear from Graham. Yeah, so it was just kind of a wide-ranging interview. I mean, we talked about his concerns, such as they are, which aren't very many, uh, with, with the coronavirus. And talked a little bit more about uh, Roger Penske and his reaction, why he's still thought that was a very good move for IndyCar and, and for Roger Penske. But the concerns that he has when he switches from kind of ambassador of the sport to guy who's racing against Roger Penske's guys on Sundays. Um, and just kind of a whole, whole wide-ranging thing. Um, by the way, he's uh, Graham Ray Hall is originally from Ohio, um, in the kind of central Ohio area. Big hockey fan. Uh, hmm. He had a lot of thoughts to say about the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets. I know not white <laughs> fans won't really love to, to hear all of it. Um, but yeah. I asked him about the about the the Bolts and the uh, the Blue Jackets, and uh, he's uh, he, he likes John Tortorella. By the way, well, a lot of people do, but a well-rounded sports fan. So. Hope you guys enjoy this interview. Matt Baker with Graham Rahal. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, this is Matt Baker. I am here with uh, IndyCar driver Graham Rahal of Rahal Letterman Landigan. Thanks for uh, taking some time to sit down with us. Absolutely. Thank you. So let's jump in. Um, over the years, I've heard a lot of, you know, talked to a lot of drivers about why they like the, this event, the Grand Prix in St. Pete. Why is that one of, one of the events that you kind of like on the calendar? Well, I think it's, you know, I, was, I told a lot of people today, but I think it's the, uh, I mean, the city is a big part of it. You know, this area, uh, it's a beautiful area to come to. Um, you know, to be able to race here right in the midst of the city streets and, you know, have the access to the hotels and have the access to all the restaurants and everything that's that's downtown and, um, you know, within walking distance is a great thing. I mean, I think it's extremely attractive, you know, to a lot of folks to be able to come to a city like this and, and, and an event like this, not even need a rental car, you know. So uh, that's appealing. Um, you know, the history of it, 16 years now, 10 years in a row that we've that we've started our season off here. Uh, and then, you know, obviously for a driver like myself who's won here in the past, you know, this race has a lot of meaning. Um, it was my first win. And, uh, you know, I'd love to uh, get win number seven here as well. 
All right, so so let's dive in and talk about that. Uh, you won at what age nineteen in yeah. two thousand eight. Yeah. So what are you when you think about that 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 win and everything that went with it? What are the kind of memories that jump out to you? You know, it's a, it is a long time ago now, um, and so frankly, it's uh, the memories are kind of slim. Um, you know, winning obviously beating Elio and Tony to the line was pretty special. Those are guys I had grown up watching. Uh, and to be able to race against them and, and to beat them in that scenario was extremely special uh, to me. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that it was a challenging day. It started in the rain. Uh, it dried out a little bit. Then it started to sprinkle again. Um, and then it dried out towards the end. And so the the strategies were all over the board, um, you know, and it, and it played out just perfectly for us. We had a lot of pace in the car on that day. And so when we were out able to fuel save – but also, you know, put in some great lap times. That's really what got us into victory lane. And so, you know, we, we've seen challenging days like that here in the past, you know, where weather can play a role. Um, but obviously that, that day in particular worked out, uh, you know, perfectly for us. What was the celebration like? I was too young. <laughs> I remember that night we went to Park Shore Grill, which I brought that name up a few times. They, people are going to think I'm on, on the payroll or something. I'm not. But we went. We went that night. Car at this point. And John uh, John Menard actually, um, you know, was sitting at a a a few tables over and sent a bottle of champagne over, and yet I couldn't enjoy it. (laughs) My my dad got to. (laughs) That's something. You know, but I but I didn't. So, uh, you know, it it was a whole different time in life for me. Uh, But a great time. uh, You know, certainly some amazing memories from from that year coming back here. Then in two thousand and nine to start on pole position. Uh, all while I got punted in the first turn by Dario, um, you know, it was, again, great, great memory to be able to be, get my first pole here and be uh, be that competitive. So, you know, I, uh, I definitely really, you know, enjoyed coming to this event, and um, you know, look forward to it kicking off our season this year for 2020. Uh, aside from Park Shore, uh, any other places you go around town or anything you like to do? And when when what little little time you have? Well, for sure. I mean, you know, for me, I'm a big I'm a big fish guy, so. A lot of great restaurants, you know, right around here for for that. And uh, what is it, Del Fresco's mm-hmm. on the on the waters? Yep. And just an awesome spot. Um, I always feel like it's pretty quiet there, which I like. Uh, my wife and I like to go and and be there and uh, and eat there. And and again, you know, you can you can get for what I like to eat. It's just the the, the money spot. But you know, it's amazing. I was saying to somebody earlier that one of the cool things about our job is 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 we do get to travel. Um, the travel itself isn't isn't always the best, but once you're there, it's cool. But also, you know, just seeing cities like this and seeing this city evolve over the years, um, the, the amount of building, the the new restaurants, the new hotel, everything. Every year, I come back and it looks different, and uh, that's a great thing because uh, you know you you see the health of the city and and where it's headed. Um, but it also makes it hard when somebody asks you, "Hey, what's your favorite restaurant?" It's like I don't know, I can't even remember. There's so many that we go to. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of great places here, and we've always, as a family, really enjoyed coming here and being a part of this. And I know that other people, you know, a lot of the fans do as well. Anything you'd like to see different for the site or the city as a, as a season opener, which has been the last ten or years or whatever? Well, I think they're they're working on some great stuff, you know, for this time around. So obviously, you know, with Mister Penske buying the series and and buying the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, that's gonna that's gonna trickle down. That's that's gonna affect everybody and and all of these events and try to make the most of it and. um you know, I think he's going to have his imprint on what we do going forward. I also think that, uh, you know, clearly with time, everybody, you know, here the promoters and everybody, you know, you learn. You, you're learning and you're adjusting to what works and what doesn't. 
Um, <clears throat> they've done a great job with that. And, you know, I think that we're, uh, we're, we're poised to have a great year. Okay, so you, you brought up Mr. Pinsky, Roger Pinsky, yep. uh, owning the series now. So let's talk about that, um, just because it's such a, a kind of unusual and weird dynamic. So because, uh, you know, for listeners who don't know, yeah. he's also the owner of Team Pinsky, one of the kind of powerhouses in the sport. So what was your first reaction when you heard in the offseason that uh, that Roger was buying the series in the Speedway? Uh, first reaction was great. You know, first reaction is awesome. You know, this is the best thing that could happen. We've lacked leadership at the top. I mean, I love the Holman George family. I really do. Um, I'm grateful for everything that they did for our sport. I'm grateful for everything that they did at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But we lacked some leadership and power. Where is this going to go? You know, and uh, we have that now. We have that with Roger and with Greg Penske. Um, and and now the, 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 the staff at the Speedway is being pushed to, to you know, points that they've never seen before, and I think that's going to trickle down, as I said, to both the track uh, or uh, the series as well as other tracks that we go to. Um, having said that, you always have to be aware, too, of what the negatives are and or could be, and I, I, don't, I don't focus on those, but certainly, as you said, they are the biggest team in our sport, too. They are the best-funded team in our sport. And so, you know, they already have that inherent advantage um you know you you have to be very careful and i don't think roger's the type that would take advantage of anything but you do have to be careful of you know how, how far you know what if the yankees owned major league baseball how are you going to feel about that you know it's it is a little bit uh of a, of a touchy subject at the same time what i know about roger penske is that more than anything in this world he loves indycar racing and if anything, he wants it to succeed more than anybody else. So for me, all I immediately could think was the next 10 years are going to be awesome. You know, where is he going to take the, and beyond? But I look at the next 10 years because I'm 31. I mean, how much longer, you know, sure. not to be, not to be careless about 20 years from now, but you know, my focus is kind of the next 10. So, you know, he's a, he's a guy that, uh, that can definitely take this to new heights. What do you think specifically he's bringing to the series, either in terms of his leadership, his experience, that sort of thing? Oh, leadership, for sure. You know, just his style. Um, maximizing the people within. There are a lot of great and smart people that haven't been pushed. Um, so pushing them. Professionalism, you know, just purely how do the events look? You know, how does the motor speedway look? The Indianapolis Motor Speedway is, is the most majestic racetrack in the world. But it's also one of the most run down in many ways. And that's you're, not, you're not... You're not a fan of peeing in the troughs? That's going to change. <laughs> that's going to change. And uh, that's cool. You know, I mean, he is, I know for a fact, he's full bore on... I mean, what did they announce the other day? He's adding 30 TVs or something. Some crazy number of TVs for fans to view, you know, during the races and everything. I mean, he is going to take that place to another level. Not only that place, but the speedway. You know, the the town and... Everything around that, he he can you know the professionalism that Roger has at every one of his operations, whether it be dealerships, whether it be um, you know other businesses that he's a part of or race teams, you know that's going to trickle down to this as well, and and that will help. Just um, recognition when people go, oh my gosh, you know Roger Penske bought the the Speedway, bought the series, that carries a lot of weight. And, you know, we, there's no secret that IndyCar has been on the hunt for a third manufacturer for a long time. He helps that. You better believe it. You know, he, he's going to bring that, I think, 
that's a realistic goal within this year. And so those are the sorts of things I think that Roger, yeah, there's a lot of other things, but those are the sorts of things that I think Roger would uh, is going to be able to do for this sport. And then just kind of switching gears, taking off your kind of businessman-ish hat and putting on your, your racing helmet, because um, you touched on it, what are the the concerns, the specific concerns you would have? Because, I mean, there, there might be a time you're racing, you know, uh, Joseph Newgarden, battling for the lead, battling for the championship, whatever, and there's a dicey penalty. Which way does it go? Does it anything at all? I think... And I'm I'm not I'm not I've never been shy about this either, you know. I think that the that sometimes the calls can be questionable anyway, and I think that that will continue. I don't see that that's going to change. I'm not saying that changes for good or bad. Um, Like if I look at you know my penalty at Long Beach last year, I had if it wasn't against Scott Dixon, it wouldn't have been called, but it was against Scott Dixon, and it was called. So. My point is, I think that the penalties have always been a little bit inconsistent. I don't know that that's going to change. I also think that they're in a really hard spot. You know, Max and Ari, I'm hard on them sometimes. But I also think that that's a really, like, that's a difficult position to be in. And, you know, you're going to make the wrong call from time to time. So we can't be too hard on them. You know, the biggest thing is just to make sure when those Penske cars roll through tech, that they're tech to the same standard as everybody else. You know, Things like that are like, you know, it's pretty easy to roll through tech and uh, I'm going to look the other way for a second. You know, that, that, I don't see that they do that. I sure. really don't. But, you know, let's be real that that, that could be that could be a concern. Um, you know, so I just think that and I'm not like I said, I'm, I'll preface this by saying I'm not accusing anybody of anything because I don't think that has been the case prior. Sure. But I think those are the things that you need to be aware of. And, um, you know, and, and we just have to kind of keep it in mind and go from there. Sure, sure. But I also don't think it's Roger's style to go and do that. I mean, he wants his team to win. Trust me, when he pays out at the end of the year at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway when, you know, $3 million in prize money goes to the winner, he'd rather transfer that to his own bank account than he would, you know, to anybody else. Of course. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't see him being unfair about the way that he would. I don't think that that's the, the type of person that he is. Um, so one of the other things that's new about the, the series this year is the aero screens, kind of like the almost like a big windshield that's going yeah. over the cars. Um, what you know, what was your reaction when you saw those and early reactions and testing? What's different? What do you like? Not like? It's just you know I, I'm a big uh, fan of it. I think the cars look awesome, and you know I think the people are going to see that when we race here next week. I mean, the cars they legitimately look like a fighter jet on wheels. Um, and, you know, if you're a kid and you're playing with that Hot Wheels car in your basement, that's what you always picked up, something that looked futuristic and crazy. That's the way it looks. Um, you know, I, I, I personally just I want to keep my head in one piece, you know what I mean? And right now brain injuries are a big topic of conversation. They should have been 40, 50 years ago, but they are now. Um, and, uh, you know, I want, I want to keep my head in shape. And, you know, it's, uh, it's your best asset is, is, your, is your brain. Sure. Um, and so, you know, to, uh, to lose that, it would be, would be a pretty scary thing. And so, you know, for me, anything that can protect the egg a little bit more is always a good thing. Um, I think it, it works well. Uh, visibility is zero issue. Uh, I think it looks really cool. It's, it's hot. It is hot. If there's a downside, it's warm inside of the car. Uh, but I know that it's the same for everybody. And if I take care of myself and I get myself in you know, prime physical condition, which I feel like I am, uh, particularly this year, I've worked extremely hard towards that. I've got no, you know, I've got no concerns. Uh, obviously, you've done some sort of testing, but you haven't been 
super long periods like the, the race that's going to be uh, here on and St. Pete on March 15th. What do you not know about it yet? Like maybe tire wear? Or- well, it, tire wear, we, we tested one day. I don't think tire wear is going to be the issue. If I would say that there's something we don't know is how does it last in a 100-lap in a race around St. Pete? My gut tells me it's going to last perfectly fine. But you got rubber, you know, that's hitting it. Um, you know, when you see an IndyCar after a race, you know, when we go out to the grid to, you know, to fire up, I mean, that car is beautiful. You look after the race, there's rubber attached to everything in, in areas that didn't even know existed. That's a concern. You know, what's it going to do? Oil, you know, just purely if somebody's leaking a little bit of oil or something, it gets on the windscreen. How do you get, how do you get rid of that? That's going to be a challenge. But these are the things, you know, I sit and I tell people all the time, like, it's the same for everybody. So I'm not going to sit and necessarily worry about it. We're going to go into the first race here in St. Pete, level playing field, see how it plays out. Sure. Um, so let's kind of switch gears for a second. Uh, like I said, your, your Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan um, is the, your racing team. Everybody asks you about the, the Ray Hall part, your, your, your dad. What about the Letterman part? What's David Letterman like as a boss? You know, Dave's always been great to me. Um, I've known him the majority of my life, uh, if not all. How'd you meet him? Oh, so I don't think I know this story. Kind of a long story, I guess. But the 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 shortened version is in the early 1980s. Um, my mother was very close with. I, I don't know if you've heard of Jack Hanna. A lot of people have, but uh, so Jack Hanna from the Columbus Zoo. Sure. So Jack was the most frequent visitor on Letterman's show. Uh, they connected over that. My mom went to Letterman's show with Jack uh, and took some animals. And, uh, you know, the conversation came up that, hey, if Bobby would ever want to be on the show, I'd love to have him because Dave was obviously a, a big follower of IndyCar racing. Well, you know, Dad wins the 500. He goes on Dave's show. He does all that stuff. They stayed stayed close, uh, stayed in contact for many years. And then, uh, you know, in the mid-90s, they kind of came, you know, Dave, hey, if you ever want a partner, let me know. And then it just evolved from there. And 2004 was the first year that the name officially changed to Ray Hall Letterman Racing. And then, obviously, Mike Lanigan came on in 2012 or somewhere about there. But, um, you know, Dave's always been great. In fact, he, he comes to this race a lot. I don't know if we'll see him this year, but, you know, he does come down here a lot. He's always enjoyed this. He watches every race. He watches every practice. He watches qualifying. He under he knows what's going on. He's in the loop en- enough to be aware of all of that, and uh, he's certainly involved in what we do with our sponsors. Sure. Um, another kind of odd, oddball question, but coronavirus has been a major talking point here uh, in the last week or so. Um, this is you know going to be one of the biggest sporting events in the Tampa Bay area since this came out. What's your level of concern concern uh, from from one to ten? Because obviously you're a driver. You're out there. Part of what you do is, you know, being in the paddock, meeting yeah. sponsors, shaking hands, kissing babies, that sort of thing. So, what's your level I, of concern? I just think, you know, for me, it's uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not like the type of person that wants to live my my life in fear necessarily. Um, so, you know, to me, we're going to be here. We're going to put on a great show. We're going to sign autographs. We're going to do all the things that we're here to do. Uh, you know, all I hope is that you know we take good care of ourselves and and our hygiene and you know being. Uh, I'm a thing, you know, I bite my nails a lot. So if anybody, you know, I, I need to be aware of, of what I'm doing. Uh, I hope that, you know, the, the fans do the same, but I think, you know, if we all, if we're all have it in the back of our minds, it's all we need to do. I don't think that there's a reason. I know that the, the track, uh, the event, 
as well as the series is monitoring all of that stuff and they'll kind of relay the messages if it if necessary to myself as well as everybody else but the way that i see it is you know we we need to all go out there and, and live life and uh and just be be cautious of you know of, of of our surround, I mean, really, it's hygiene, right? A lot of it. Wash your hands. So take care of yourself, and we'll we'll all be okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we're we're here in Tampa. There's a pretty big uh, hockey team across oh, yeah. the the Lightning. You are from Ohio. You are a Blue Jackets fan, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you go to any of the uh, the games in the, I didn't, the first round? Last but I year? watched every single one. And I got to tell you, I was filming a show for Game Show Network. And I was sitting there, and it was five minutes into the first game. And I'm like, oh, give me a score update. And they're like, uh, Tampa Bay's <laughs> up 3-0. Oof. I'm like, what? Like, is this the way this really is going to go? And then all of a sudden, it just like, boom, light switched. Complete opposite. Uh, you know, Bobrovsky goes on a roll, and, you know, we, we sweep Tampa Bay, which I never thought was possible. You know, and then... You know, it's uh, and then we went to played Boston. Frankly, had some great opportunities to to win that series too, and it just derailed. I mean, obviously we were up two one in the series, but even uh, game one, which I think Boston won in Boston, the it was double overtime or single overtime, and it went in off of our own guy's shin. You know, to lose. You know, those sorts of things are frustrating as a fan to watch. Probably even more frustrating if you're in the game, you know, playing it. But. um you know, I did get to go to game, I think it was three in Columbus okay. of the Boston series, which was amazing. But I don't miss too many games. I mean, if, if Blue Jackets hockey's on, I'm probably I'm probably watching. But I don't think they're, they're as much of a threat this year. No. Uh, you like John Tortorella? You know, I, he won a cup here. Mm-hmm. So love him or hate him, he did that. You know, and uh, I, everybody, a lot of people ask me this uh, about him. And, you know, my answer is that when he took over the Blue Jackets, they were maybe like a once every six, seven years playoff team. And they've been to the playoffs every year that he's been there except for his first year. Mm -hmm. And if they make the playoffs this year, that will have to have been his best coaching job ever. Not only because he doesn't have – there's a couple really good guys, but he doesn't have a Stamkos, let alone, uh, you know – Victor Hedman, let alone Kucherov, yeah. Kucherov, let alone Vasilevsky, let all these stars that Tampa Bay had. We don't have that. I mean, our third string goalie was playing most of the year because everybody else was hurt. You know what I mean? So it's um, and they have I, they've lost three hundred and last I looked like three hundred eighty something game man games to injury. So all of our stars have been out, or a lot of them are out the remainder of the year. Yet here they are, still in the wild card spot. If he can somehow get this team to the playoffs, it'd be it'd be pretty impressive. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, last year that team that beat Tampa, I mean, all those guys are gone. The goalie's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, your top scorer is gone. Matt Duchesne's gone. I mean, you don't have that star lineup that the, at least one line that was there last year. Uh, let, let's go back to racing and kind of close this out. Um, big picture expectations for 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 the year for you personally. You know, I mean, I'm. Uh, we're focused extremely hard on being number one, a lot better than we were last year. Uh, number two, you know, to make sure that we take advantage of the opportunities that came last year. You know, there we we had basically one race. Not proud of that, but we had one race that we were very good at, 
um, and unfortunately had a stuck throttle issue in the race on, in Alabama. Um, we need to make sure that we're, we don't have those problems. Um, some of those, most of those weren't self-inflicted. When you're working with electronics, as we all know, there sometimes problems arise that you're you're not expecting. But uh, you know, we need to be be opportunistic when it comes, and um, you know that come that that's on me, you know, and on the team. It's on everybody to maximize. But I I fully expect us to be a contender. We have been the last even last year with a bad year. We we're still kind of in the hunt to finish in the top five in points up until right. you know the last two races where we where we stumbled. So. You know, when I look at it, I mean, we, we ought to be pretty darn strong, and I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, Graham, I appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Matt Baker for that interview with Graham Ray Hall. Uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to have my good uh, buddy and former radio colleague, Tom Jones, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, and now with the Pointer Institute of Media Studies on the podcast. So that's one of our best of the week. Uh, make sure you, you check that out. The Lightning tonight are at Toronto, which may be a uh, likely first-round preview of the playoffs uh, as we get closer and closer to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, we'll also keep you up to date on all the uh, Bucks and quarterback news involving Jameis Winston. We're just a uh, little more than uh, – a little less than 48 hours now until teams can uh, designate a franchise or transition player tag. Uh, that'll happen, uh, of course, on Thursday at 4 p.m. So uh, make sure that, uh, that you guys keep it at TampaBay.com for all the latest news. We're Steve Versnick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.